Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti here uh, with a good friend, Michael Perrin. Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Yes. Glad to be with you, Dan. Thank you. I'm super excited about this. Um, usually when I, um, when I talk to guys about what, what do you want to talk to young men about, um, you know, sometimes it's their own personal story, which uh, we could do sometime, right? You've got a great story of God's redemption, um, and uh, and you've you've told it often. I, I you know brought you in to speak to students uh, several different times, and just kind of going through your story. Um, but I asked you this time. I said, "Hey, what do you want to talk to people about? Um, and what did what did you say? What do you want to share uh, with young guys out there that God's kind of placed on your heart?" The thing that I've seen more and more around is anger. Mm. The, this idea that men are just angry. Okay, so here's here's my question. Because when I was thinking about it, right, I asked you a couple of days ago, and I, I've been thinking about it, and I was like, that's kind of interesting because um, I think about anger, and I think about is is anger bad, right? I look in Scripture, and I see that uh, Jesus had anger, right? So so I'm thinking like, what what is it that you're seeing and thinking about, right? Where where does that concept come from that Anger can be something that's damaging and harmful and needs to be, in a sense, controlled. Is that well, what we're Yeah, I mean, at? the okay. Bible, great question. The Bible does say, you know, in, in your anger, so the, the implication there is you will become angry yes. at some point in time. But in your anger, but the sentence continues, do not sin. Yeah. And so sin there, I mean, the word there is, you know, hamartia. And the word there is to uh, agree with a delusional idea. So when we agree with delusional ideas about our identity, about who we are, then we manifest that delusional idea. So we go out and we behave in a manner that we would say is sinful. It's not the behavior necessarily. It's actually, what am I choosing to agree agree with? So in in the moments in which you're angry, don't let that agreement cause you to, to... believe something that simply is not true about your life and then you're going to go out and like I used like to say you know the spirit of stupid is going to jump on you and you tend, <laughs> you, tend you tend to do something that you look back on and you say man that was not the right thing to do okay and so when you see young guys mm-hmm. struggling with this what what is it that you see that the the lies that they're believing um, that cause them then to make those decisions that they would regret later yeah it's kind of a three-step process okay. so the way what I like the term is there is a, an idea of being displaced and that displacement leads to futility and then futility leads to anger. Mm. So we can start back at the very, very first one. The displacement that I think young men are going through is this idea that they are giving their lives to Babylon. They are giving their lives to the system of the world. And so they build their fortune, they build their relationships, they build their persona on things that can be shaken. Yeah. And we see and read in the Bible over and over again that if we build it on something that's instable, which is the world system, it can be shaken. We've seen that over the last two years ago. I mean, we saw things shaken in the natural. And people who had a business or people who had relationships or people who had money and resources, all of a sudden it's shaken and they become angry. Mm. Um, so that displace, that displacement is putting our energy, putting our effort in things that are not eternal. 
and it's basing it on how much I have, do I have more, and can I get more, as opposed to what are the things that are going to outlive me? What are the relationships that are going to outlive me? But that displacement, again, just because of the agreement with the world system, then leads us into the recognition. So I'm displaced because I've, you know, I'm swabbing the deck of the Titanic or whatever you want to say. Um, And that leads to, which is the next step in futility, Um, like swabbing the the deck of the Titanic. It's futile. And yet instead of identifying that and recognizing that as a lie, they continue to press into that futility. And they they try to make sense out of life through a thing called striving. Okay, so here's an interesting thought. Um, just just the the role of work in that right because we have we have to work so in in, in some way I, I see where you're going right is this um, there's a world system out there um, but I mean at the end of the day I, I need a, a house to protect my family I need a car to drive to work so I've got to work Michael um, I've got to in some sense kind of run in this rat race um, and and do something and accomplish something right um, but it's interesting because um, there was a um, an issue I remember this from um, some stuff had come out about Nazi Germany when they had Jews in concentration camps and they would do a lot of psychological studies on them. Um, and one of the things was um, moving rocks in a concentration camp. Um, they would tell the Jews to move the rocks from one side of the camp to the other and they would do it, right? And, and in some sense, uh, in the midst of their labor, in the midst of their work, it gave them uh, joy, right? A purpose until they found out that they didn't have any purpose in moving the rocks because then when they got them to one side, they'd have them move them to the other side and then they'd have them move them back and then they'd have them move them back. And eventually they figured out that we're not, we're not building anything. We're not creating anything. They're just messing with us. And they said a lot of the prisoners, right, started to go crazy because they realized there really isn't any purpose in work. Um, and so here's, here's the thing. How do you find then um, purpose in this work that we have to do in this world system so that you don't get displaced, so that you don't feel like the things that you're doing aren't valuable? Where does that come from? Well, I, I think it's taken to the eternal perspective. Um, this is a very simple answer, easy to say, <laughs> not easy to apply. Yeah. Um, but it truly is that there is, it's what Galatians talks about. You work heartily unto the Lord. Yeah. You do everything with the intent of pleasing the one, pleasing God. And as a result of that, there is a divine purpose that that we receive. And I'm not saying don't be a doctor. I'm not saying don't put in the hours at all. What I am saying is, is that your identity? Is that where you find and have formed an identity of this is who I am, as opposed to recognizing your authentic authentic identity, you know, as a son of God, as a child of the Father. And so when we can not only work hard, I mean, I have no problem putting in the hours. Mm -hmm. I have no Hustling is something I do, and I have no problem hustling, but I don't, again, put all of my treasure into that hustling. I find other avenues and other vehicles. So, yeah, work work the hours that you need to, but then is there something else that you're doing that is eternal? Is there something else that you're doing that has a difference and is intergenerational in its concept and its idea. Yeah. So this is interesting. I think about when I kind of envisioned this podcast and who we were talking to, Mm -hmm. I kind of really wanted to focus on young guys, right? And I I think there's two things that I want to really wrestle with here. Um, And that is um, the young guy who's kind of starting off his career, making sure that in a sense that they're not um, getting stuck in that rat race um, where, as you said, right, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm going to college, I'm getting a degree so I can go get a job. Right. But asking yourself, okay, 
what's the purpose of all of those things, right? What's the purpose of your education to go get a job? What's the purpose of your job to make money? What's the purpose of making money so I can buy stuff? What's the purpose of having stuff? <laughs> that's that's right? the that's the futility. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so so if you answer all those questions with an eternal perspective, then all of a sudden those things are still things that you can have, but they're not the end goal. Now, here's the other question: Is what do you do if you're 50, 60, 70? And you've been running that rat race. How do you get off the wheel? Well, it's an admittance and an acknowledgement that maybe you want this thing to stop. Mm. I mean, there's never a point in time in our life where we can't arrest what we're doing and, and recalibrate and reset. Okay, say, say, say that again. There's never, there's never <laughs> I, a time. Because is that, is that true? Right? Like, I mean, you know, the, the whole idea, you've heard it said before, right? That the worst thing in life is to climb the ladder only to find that it's leaning against the wrong building. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're, you're one rung away, right? You're, you know, hey, I'm partner in my law firm. I've done this. I've accomplished this, right? I've, I've done everything that the world says is important. I realize none of that stuff is actually important. Are you saying that, right, that I can recalibrate and, and start over? I can ask those questions or do I just keep on running the rat race? You can actually stop and recalibrate have, and okay, reset. Here's a question. Have you met somebody who has? Yeah, I'm looking at a guy in front of me right now that has <laughs> <laughs> on a repeated basis. Um, very similar story to what you just described, as yeah. a matter of fact. Okay. And I'm sitting here in my own seat that I had to recalibrate the idea of what I thought was valuable and what yeah. I thought was important. Yeah. Um, there's no shame in that. There's no guilt in that. There is redemption in that and a restoration in that. And look through the Bible. I mean, you have men who, for years and years, uh, were struggling with their identity and struggling with Babylon and struggling with trying to make purpose in their life, Mm. 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. And all of a sudden, they had this moment of clarity. And in that moment of clarity, they committed and recommitted, I should say, to walking in who God created them to be. Yeah. So what what's that look like to ask that question? Does that make sense? Like what, what I mean, what what does it really take to ask that question of like what's really my purpose? Mm-hmm. What, what 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 am I really doing here? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's an that we have an eternal spirit in us, mm-hmm. and that eternal spirit identifies with our spirit. The spirit and our spirit identify and says, "This is of the Lord." Yeah, and it's being sensitive to that. But you have to take the time to pursue it and do the work in order to evaluate, you know, am I really walking in my divine purpose? Yeah. Um, and that can be difficult because just from a physiological standpoint, we walk in an identity, let's say it's a lawyer, um, and that lawyer does X amount of hours and has this many cases and this many trials. Sure. And as a result of that, the body then forms chemicals around the system. Uh, that's, you know, emotions are chemicals. Yeah. And, and the chemicals then permeate the body and create the feeling of this is what a lawyer is to do. Right. Well, when I come in and I arrest that idea and I maybe start considering some other things, it's going to feel like I'm going against 37 years of my identity. Right. And because your body physiologically is like, no, 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 you, you need the dopamine, you need the endorphins, you need all of the other chemicals that are flowing through your system to feel alive. And if you don't have those things... I'm not alive anymore. Yeah. And so it really is a matter of reminding, literally reminding yourself as to what is important. And it can feel foreign at, at first. It really can. Uh, it's like a drug addict. They stop using drugs. The body's like, wait a minute. We've been doing this for a, a long period of time. We, we need this to feel alive. Yeah. But as you go 
And as you remind yourself of what is true, according to the scriptures, um, the body then comes in line with the rest of it. So let's get back to that aspect of anger as a an outgrowth, right, of that displacement, that futility, right? Mm-hmm. What, what do you see then men um, acting out, right? How, how does that play out in, in terms of their relationships, in terms of their work, in terms of their marriage, in terms of their, you know, their kids, right? Do you see men like acting out that frustration on other people? Oh, I think we see it re- repeatedly. Um, you know, the the idea behind, let's just say, uh, pornography, it's a low-hanging fruit. But the idea behind pornography is this. I'm not getting what I want, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go get what I want. Yeah. There's anger in that statement. Or, or you're not giving me what I want, right. so I'm going to go take what I want from somebody else. Yeah. That's anger. Uh, addictions of any point, you know, any time. Uh, you talk about an addiction. It truly is a matter of life's not treating me the way that I want it to treat me. Yeah. I'm going to check out and I'm going to go feel different. Yeah. I'm going to feel the way I want to feel. That's an angry statement when you think about it. And so men manifest those those things. Uh, it's not fighting necessarily. It's not, I call them the three V's of anger. It's not violence or volume or venom all the time. Sometimes anger is passivity. Anger is a, a, an acquiescence just to kind of roll over and just kind of take it. Yeah. There's a passive-aggressive nature yeah. in the, the anger. Cold, the cold shoulder, the apathy, the I'm going to ignore yeah. you. I'm going to ignore right? you. I'm going to give you the silent treatment. Which, uh, which, which sometimes, right? I mean, if you think about it, the, you know, the, the outburst, right, it, it, at some point is like you know, um, a, a growth of like, hey, something's frustrating me. But if you get to the point where you, you're not even you know, lashing out, that you you know everything's just so bottled up. It's almost like you're past that point, right? You're just like I, I don't even care anymore. So that's that's an interesting thought. And anger can manifest itself, especially if you bottle it up like that. Yeah. I mean, th- these are the guys that you, you know you see on the the ten o'clock news sure. that yeah. something happens and everybody around them is saying, "Man, I never thought that was in them." Yep. Well, it's been bottled up so long that when it finally came out, <laughs> it shocked everybody. It did, <laughs> and like, it does. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, the solution to that is, is again, we kind of touched on it a little bit, is finding who God says you are, okay. finding your identity as a beloved son of the Father, that it's not about your performance. It's not about keeping within the guardrails or the safeguards of life. Right. It truly is about understanding that the Father loves you. And as a result of that, there's nothing you can do to, er- to, to remove that love mm. and care from you. We were just talking about the prodigal son before yeah. we sat down. Uh, we want to form an identity based upon the younger son. You know, I am my behavior. I am my poor, poor choices. And right. so that thing I did that weekend back in high school, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm never going to overcome yeah. that. Or the older son, I am my behavior. I'm a good son. I do the right things. Yep. Right? So either side of that coin, is the, side of that coin. coin is the same thing. <laughs> it's the right? same coin. Yeah. But as I mentioned to you just briefly, there's a third son in that story mm. of the prodigal, and it's the one telling the story, and it's Jesus, because he's the only one that understands who the father really is. Mm. And we can have either side, either the younger or the older, but the question for all of us then becomes, can we identify with Jesus? Because he's the one that can really truly tell us what's important, what's valuable, and where we need to, as it were, lean our ladder uh, in yeah. life. Yeah. So, so I've got a young guy who's <clears throat> starting off, 
right? Starting to spin the wheels, right? He's got that education. He's got that job. And he is just, he's realizing, yeah, okay, th- this is frustrating. It's a, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. Um, wh- wh- where do I go from here? What, what's the first step of, of, in a sense, sort of that self-awareness? I think the self-awareness is recognizing it's not about yourself. Uh. Young men, I always I, I challenge them, and I said, who's, who's the father that's speaking into your life? Oh. Who's, you can use the term apostle, who's the, who's the pastor, who's, right, right. You know, who, who's that older guy yeah. that you're spending time with that's able to speak into your life? And people go, well, I don't even know who to choose. And one of the things I tell young men is this, find somebody who em- emulates a life that you desire. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be fiduciary. It doesn't have to be financial necessarily, but there's just something about his life that you're like, you know, I wouldn't mind being a lot closer to that. Yeah. And then you walk up to that elder, elderly man, doesn't have to be too much older, and just say, hey, I was wondering if you could spend some time talking to me. Yeah. Now, that's a risk, obviously. Yep, totally. But it's can, necessary. Okay. So can I tell you that that first step mm. is thinking about, okay, what kind of man do I really want to be? And I think that's hard for guys to, to wrestle with. I think it's easier to fall into the world system and say, hey, this is what the world says a man should be. That's easier. Because, because then I know if I run this race, right, then I'll get, I'll get accolades, I'll get pats on the back. Um, but if I don't, where does that come from? If, if I don't run this race, right, where, where do the pats on the back come from? Mm-hmm. And, and what you're saying is, right, those are, those are eternal rewards. Um, they, they may not be, uh, you know, um, the pat on the back. It may not be, um, you know, the, the things that everybody else is getting, right, which I think are easier to fall into. And, and, and you don't, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's easier to compare myself to other people based on what everybody else is doing, and then and then you measure up to it. But if I run a totally different race, how do I know? Yeah, I mean, I think, and that's where really it truly comes in that there have been choices that I have made that I just knew they were the right thing to do. Yes. Okay, so I, I'm with you. okay. I'm with you. I, I mean, literally, I go back to. Um, I was doing a Bible study. I was in Austin, and uh, I was looking at taking a job and, and where I wanted to go, and I, I you know had a group of men around me and I said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And the group of men were all like, uh, okay, so, you know, here's what our advice would be. And that is go make a bunch of money, be successful. And then you can do the things that God wants you to do. And I just felt like that doesn't make any You're sense not to me at all. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, like what if I died at 25? Right. And I never got to the point of actually doing what God wanted me to do. And I was just like, no, I really feel like, and it was a, it was a, you know, I graduated from law school um, and I, you know, I, I tell this story once in a while, right? I took a job of $21,500, right? My wife was a teacher making more than me and which is not, you know, I, you know, she can't make more. It was just like, you know, it's like, uh, my goodness, like, you know, the guy who graduated number one in my class took a job in Dallas, $121,000. I could, ju- took a job for 21,000, <laughs> but that was the thing was I got so much joy out of what I did because I loved doing it. And if I measured what I wanted to do by what everybody else was doing, I'd have gone, no, that's not for me, right? Because it doesn't pay enough. But the reality of, of it is, is like pay is not the only measure of what success is, Mm-mm. right? And, and so that's, that's the concept I think that you're kind of asking guys to wrestle with is, hey, there's other ways of evaluating life. And if you're only using what the world standard is, then you can only run the world's race because those are, those are what it's there for. But if there's another race to be run and there's another way to do it, there's actually another way to measure whether you're successful by it or not. Right. 
So that I mean that's a that's a tough thing to, to wrestle with for for a young guy because everything that they've done up to this point right is leading them in a direction towards success in the world. Well, that's what we do in the educational system. It is. Everything everything you do is about your performance. Yes. What type of grades do you have? Yeah. How'd you do on your SAT? What college are you accepted into? What are your grades in college? You know, all of that stuff. It's all measured on performance. Right. It's all it's all win win win. I mean, athletics. You you were. You know, into, into the athletic world, right? It's the same thing. It is, um, it's not whether, you know, um, you uh, had character and played well and did your best. It's, you know, how many wins and losses did you have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was reading a story about Troy Aikman. I mean, the guy that back in the early 90s, mm-hmm. you know, the quarterback of the yeah. Dallas Cowboys. And he tells a story of after winning the Super Bowl, he went back to his hotel room and he sat down on his bed and this thought went through his head. Now what do I do? Now what do I do? Sure. Because he had accomplished yeah. the pinnacle of, of his profession, yeah. and he still had that thought. Now what do I do? They asked Tom Brady, "What's your favorite Super Bowl, you know, victory?" And he's like, "The next one." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, uh. <laughs> "You know, I don't know who said it, Rockefeller or yeah. somebody else." You know, how much is enough? Yeah. And the comic, one more dollar, just just a little bit just more, a little bit more. Yeah. So that lack of set, which kind of gets back to where we started this whole thing. It's there, the, there is. You use the word displacement, yeah. right? That leads to frustration, yep. and I think I think what a lot of guys don't understand is if there is a God <laughs> and he has a system for how the world should run. If you run your life differently than God's system, it'll always be frustrating because he can't allow you in a, in a way, right. To be successful contrary to his system. Right. And his system offers peace and joy and hope and contentment, but a different fruit. Yes. Yeah. And that's where we search for, the, you know, we go after the tree, mm-hmm. we go to an apple tree looking for oranges, you're not going to have it. So we go to the world system, we go to Babylon, and we make a lot of money, and we have our kids, and we live in this really nice house, thinking that that's going to give us what only God can provide, yeah. peace and joy and contentment yeah. and love. Well, I, I love the picture, too, because, I mean, I was thinking about the, the time that Jesus gets angry and, you know, overturns the tables mm-hmm. in the temple. It's right. It's Matthew chapter 21. The next thing that he does is he goes out and he curses a fig tree, right? It's like literally the next story. Um, and the reason that he curses the fig tree is because the fig tree wasn't producing figs, <laughs> which, which is funny, right? It's kind of like, you, you, hey, you got one job, right? You're a fig tree. What are you supposed to do? Produce figs. But if it doesn't do its job, it's worthless. Mm-hmm. And I think the concept that we're trying to help men understand is you are created to be in a relationship with God. So you may be successful in literally a million other things, but if you're not successful in that, you're a fig tree that doesn't produce figs. That's, that's exactly what it was, what it is. You know, I, 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 my angle on that story is, you know, he was mad because in the presence of God, you should produce what you're designed to produce. Yeah. I mean, the fig tree wasn't producing what it was supposed to, even in the presence of God. Amen. I don't know. We can chase yeah, after that can. another another podcast. <laughs> oh but. my goodness! Yeah, I mean that, and that's but that's us. Yeah, right. If you looked at the lives of many men and they laid out their accomplishments for you, right? It's it's a fig tree without figs, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I just look at things and I go, "Hey, that's great, that's great, that's great, that's great," but that's not where you were made to produce. Where's the fruit that you were made to produce that God has put in you? That there's a seed, right? That if you're a fig tree and you're not producing figs. Right. If you're producing something else, right, it's like you're, you're not doing what God has created you to do. And what you're saying is you see that in the lives of so, so many men, right, which leads them to that frustration, that irritation, that that grating against the system. And it plays itself out in that anger then. 
It does. And, you know, and the other part about this whole idea about production in the kingdom mm. is you have to be patient with yourself. Mm. Okay. You have to let it come to yourself in seasons. I mean, that's the principle of, of what, we re- what we read in Scripture. Yeah. Um, different seasons produce different things, and the Lord would not over, you know, give you too much to bear. I think of a story. So my dad and I uh, grew up in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Went out and planted apple trees in our front yard, right? It's these little sapling apple trees. Okay. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to have apples. Well, the first year in the spring, <laughs> we would go out, and my dad would tell me, hey, go pull all the flowers off the apple trees. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a weird way to have apples, yeah. but I'm uh, young. I'm 9, 10 years old. Right. Second year, same thing. Third year, same thing. And finally, the fourth year, I got the gumption. I was a little bit older, That's maybe. Right. Yeah. And I said, Dad. Didn't we buy these trees to produce apples? Uh, and he said, yes, absolutely, we did. I said, well, then why do we keep on pulling these flowers off the apple trees? <laughs> and he said, Michael, if we let apples grow on these trees in their current state mm. with the structure that's there, it will kill the tree because the apples will break the branches. There you go. That is the word for these young men growing up. Don't expect to pull off that $1.5 million job that first time out of the gate. It's just not going to happen. Things of the kingdom come the same way. They come gradually, they come slowly, but as you continue to be faithful, as you continue to do the next right thing, as it were, according to the Lord, not according to man, according to the Lord, things will be produced. And I think, you know what, with this generation of young people who have grown up that everything comes at them so quickly and everything is such, I mean, you know, eight second, you know, attention span, right? Or less than that. Um, that's that's an amazing thing that you have to really rethink and recalibrate your mind to say, hey, character is something that's developed over a long time. The other thing, friendships. Friendships, right? You know, my George Washington quote, quote right? It's a, it's a plant of slow growth, right? And it has to go through a time of difficulty, right? And, I, you know, I talk to kids all the time when they talk about, oh, my friends, my friends, my friends. I said, stop using the word friends. They're classmates. They're teammates. They're not friends. And they look at me like, what? I'm like, words are very important. Mm-hmm. Words have meaning. <laughs> words yes. have meaning. Stop calling people friends that aren't your friends, right? Friends are people who speak the most truth to you. Friends are people who have your back and have your best interest in mind. So I think, I think you know, that concept you're trying to get across is, you know, that, yeah, this is going to take a while. If you're a young guy, you want to start on this process early because you want a life that begins to develop this particular fruit that's going to take a long time to grow. If you're an old guy, as you said, yes, you can make some course adjustments, but turning the Titanic might take a little time. <laughs> but, I, but I'd rather turn it one degree now right, than wait for another year or two years or three years that go by and miss right, the opportunities that are put in front of me. Well, yeah, and just for that old guy, I know we're probably coming towards the end here, but just for the, the, the gentleman who is in his 50s and 60s, yeah. you know, the idea of my life as a 50-something-year-old right now is the goal is for my ceiling to be the next generation's floor. Amen. And if I can do that, if I can just give them one more step towards the ceiling, even as a gentleman a little bit elderly, that makes their life a lot easier. I love it. Man. Michael, it's good. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the wisdom that you shared. I know some of the guys are going to be challenged by what you had. So that's awesome. Appreciate you. with you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.